So a lot of people are worried that Social Security is going to go away. Um, Social Security does a report on the of, like the funding or the viability of Social Security over a certain time frame. And as of late, as of the last report, um, over their 75-year projections, they feel that based off where Social Security is going versus cost versus the income, so the taxation that's funding it, that the old age Social Security system, that trust fund specifically, is going to be um, not fully funded by 2037. So when we're looking at Social Security specifically, we do not look at it in isolation. We look at it holistically from multiple viewpoints, multiple lenses to then try to optimize because sometimes optimizing is not always about the dollar. There is return on the dollar, but there's also return on your happiness. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your host, myself, Tim Bickmore, and I have a new host, Caroline Kale. Caroline, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So Caroline, in our meeting today, actually, it was today, uh, we were talking about what podcast subjects you do, and she started talking about social security. It's like, hey, you know what? How about we jump on a podcast and let's talk about it? So today, Caroline has some questions about social security. We're going to discuss it. We're going to talk about it. I think it will benefit not just Caroline, but it's going to benefit a lot of our viewers and listeners, which is extremely helpful. Um, before we jump into those questions, as always, it's really beneficial if you like our content to share it, subscribe, like. With that being said, Caroline, I'm going to let you lead on these questions and please chime in with any comments that you have as we go. But by all means, let's let's get let's get the ball rolling. Thank you. I'm really excited for this discussion. Social security is a very hot topic lately. I learn about it in school, but there's a lot of uh, opinion and predictions that vary from person to person. So I like to get feedback from different people on their thoughts. So to start it out, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts. What do you think social security will look like in the future? You know, that is a really good question. And I, I just had a meeting with somebody that asked the same question you did. Uh, and they said, what, what, what's going to happen? So a lot of people are worried that social security is going to go away. Um, social security does a report on the of like the funding or the viability of social security over a certain time frame. And as of late, as of the last report, um, over their 75-year projections, they feel that based off where Social Security is going versus cost versus the income, so the taxation that's funding it, that the old age Social Security system, that trust fund specifically, is going to be um, not fully funded by 2037. So 2037, the reserves will be gone, which means then that the payments will have to be backed by the taxes that are going into the Social Security fund. Um, and that would only cover about 75% of the payments. So Caroline brings up a really good question of, well, what happens? What do you do? I think it's a really broad question. It's a tough question to answer. It depends on what we can do for proposals to change up how Social Security works. There's some really basic stuff like A, reduce benefits, B, increase taxation, aka Social Security taxation that comes off your payroll, 
Um, adjust when you can receive it, adjust who receives it. So there's a lot of different proposals that if you actually go to socialsecurity.gov, they have a lot of reports that have talked about how they could adjust it to make sure that it continues to be fully funded over time. And of course, it's a probability game of understanding who's going to take it or not. Um, but to kind of answer another question that comes up, it's like, well, why are we in this position? If you read the reports, the position really comes from our population is, is getting older. So the boomer generation is actually going to be one of the largest generations that's going to go into retirement, which means they're going to cost more, meaning we have to pay out of that fund. And then in addition to that, what's happening is that the birth rate has actually declined in the United States. So there's less. So there's less workers to beneficiaries of the trust, which means that you create this imbalance. Um, I believe when I was reading through the report that it was at this point, every there's going to be five workers for every or five recipients for every 100 workers. So only 50 percent where before it was uh, three beneficiaries or recipients to 100 workers. So that's 30 percent. So there's this huge divergence of how many workers there are to support the fund versus who's going to be taking it. So it's more of just an age and a generational effect that's increasing the cost, which means there's something that needs to be done. So that's why I talked about, you know, you could decrease benefits, increase taxation. Um, and so it's just dependent on how the administration and the government wants to look at that. Now, so there's a few stats that I, I wanted to just talk about that are really interesting. So, for example, at the end of 2021, I'll ask you to ask, ask Caroline a question. How many people do you think were receiving benefits in the United States? This includes both the old age disability, so like retirement trust fund, right? And also the disability trust fund, which is separate. How many people do you think were being supported? on social security in the United States at the end of 2021, receiving some sort of benefit. I was going to throw a wild number out of there, yeah. out there, like 15 million. So 65 million people were being, were receiving payments from social security. Out of that 65 million, 56 million were from the old age social security insurance. So OASI trust fund and 9 million from the disability insurance trust fund. So if you think about that now, we're going to talk about dollars. Out of those dollars, there is a total payment, okay, of $1.133 trillion. Out of that $1.133 trillion, $993 billion came from the retirement side of the trust fund. And another $140 billion came from the disability insurance trust fund. So the United States is paying out roughly $1.1 trillion in social security benefits as of the end of 2021. Now, when we start talking about people saying, hey, what if they reduced the benefit? This is the reason why I bring this up is this would affect a lot of people. This wouldn't just be a little bit, oh, you know, maybe we cut back, you know, Caroline's social security payment if she was in retirement. I mean, this would be a big effect to one of the largest populations potentially going in to the United States. So if you're starting to cut those benefits from people that may potentially rely on it or pretty close to relying on it, it could have other trickling or adverse effects to the economy and to the United States in general. So this idea that they're not, there's not going to be something that happens, something's going to have to happen because it's too big of a population that's being supported, that there needs to be some sort of an adjustment. Now, the question of how it's going to be adjusted or what's going to happen is really up for debate. But I think that they'll try to come up with a solution, or I would hope, 
um, that makes the most sense. Cause if you just start slashing those benefits and that's the answer, that could be a big issue. I think potentially myself, maybe Caroline, we may have slashed benefits because we could absorb some of that. The, but like the older generation, I have a hard time thinking that they'll go ahead and start cutting that because I think the government will find themselves in a different position to help to have to, to have to support them regardless. So that money's going to have to come from somewhere. Um, and it may be coming from the younger generation, not necessarily the older generation. So I know that's a lot of information for like, where's the future? I think it's unknown, but the biggest known is that something has to, something has to change. That's really interesting. I really appreciate your insights into that. And I definitely see where you're coming from. And I agree, you bring up a lot of great points. That is such a huge population. And what happens to the people that are already taking and receiving these benefits and all of a sudden in a decade or so they are receiving less or none, that would be huge and definitely have a trickling effect, like you said. Yeah. And if you have, if you take like an economics lens that you can think about it like this as well as if you start taking away social security payments from people who are reliant on it, what you're also doing is restricting dollars from the the private economy as well. Right. Which could also have different adverse effects in general. You're stripping, stripping cash out of the economy, out of the private industry. So there's just different ways that you have to really think about it. And that's where it's a lot larger than the question of like, Oh, is social security going away or not? Oh, well, wait a second. (laughs) Hold on. We have an aging population, low birth rates. This is definitely becoming an issue. And there's just different ways that you can start looking at it. So to just cut it out from underneath current retirees, I think is going to cause more issues than, than good. That's definitely a great point. And then as far as working with clients here yeah. at LBW, so at what age or milestone in life do you advise clients to take social security? What does that look like? What does that conversation look like? I bet you, Caroline, you're probably like, I know what Tim's going to say. <laughs> it depends. It depends. I think that there's a lot of different methods on how to approach the problem. Um, but I think it depends on what lenses you want to look at. So for example, it's a conversation I just had. We talked about that. He said, okay, let's take the lens that you want to optimize your social security, meaning I want the most dollars out of that as I can. I paid my taxes. I did my 35 years. I want to take every dollar I can out of social security. If that is your number one goal, then you have to ask yourself, well, when are you going to die? Right? When are you going to pass? Because your payments will be go away once you have passed. And so if you look at it from that standpoint and you can understand your mortality, which is very hard to understand your mortality or when you're going to pass, right? It's a crystal ball. But if you're like, you know what? My parents live till hundred. My grandma lived till hundred. I'm going to live till hundred. Well, then it probably makes sense to take it at age 70 because you're going to have a higher payment, which will allow that to compound over time. And eventually you will pay, get paid more at that time because you lived a longer age. But if you delay till 70 and let's say pass at 75, then it would have made sense to actually take it at 62 because you would actually have taken more absolute dollars out of social security within that time frame. So it's dependent on your mortality and it depends on what you're trying to do. Now, the other lens that we could look at, which sometimes people don't talk about as much, is quality of life. So let's say that Caroline is at the time of retirement and 
she had worked for, let's say, the Wisconsin government, right? The state government. So she has this really nice pension fund at the WRS or the ETF. And she also has social security because she also participates in social security. And let's say that her pension benefit at the state level, as well as her social security benefit at the federal level, it allows Caroline to live her life or at least have enough supplemental income to be able to, let's say, retire at 62. That allows her not to have to drain off her assets, has a low withdrawal rate. Then it could make sense in order for her to retire, right? She needs to, she needs the social security. She has to retire at 62 in order to get into retirement early. Her other option would be to continue to work, let's say till 67, full retirement age for her, to be able to endure. You have to then look at it and saying, look, I'm going to not take as much out of social security. I'm going to take that risk. That will allow me to actually live the life I want to live, AKA retire, retire early. So you just have to weigh the cost and benefit depending on taking it early or not. And what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for your family? And how does that sustainable for what you're trying to achieve in retirement? So it's not a straight bullet answer of like, you absolutely need to wait till 70 or you absolutely should take it at 62. It really is way more individualized and understanding um, what you're really looking to achieve and why, and then start making those um, intricate decisions. So some of these, you touched on some of these, but what are some other reasons to take it early versus late when you're having a conversation with someone? Yeah. So I think the, the biggest one is like quality of life. Can I, can it, can it, can it allow you to retire early? Right. And if that's what you want to do, then that's definitely a topic of discussion. I think depending on the amount of assets that you have, and again, what retirement looks like for you, it's also could help um, allow you to not have to deplete your assets. Let's say an IRA, a 401k or other assets that it's enough where the withdrawal rate may come down, like, let's say sub three and a half percent. Right. And saying like, look, we're going to take Social Security early, which allows our assets to actually grow over time. So theoretically, if you're looking holistically, you could actually make more money in the long run, taking Social Security early relative to taking it late, depending on when you start needing to withdraw off your portfolio. So there's just different mechanisms to kind of look at to say what is the most optimal time, but the most optimal time is also up to what your spend rate is and what you're trying to do. Um, and that's why it always comes down to the individual and it's not clear cut rule of thumb. You should always take it at 67, always take it at 70, always take it at 62. Health concerns are a huge deal. You know, we've, we've had clients in the past where it's like, look, based off of your health record, it makes sense to take it early um, because the probability of maybe of death is a little bit higher given some um, potential ailments. So looking at it from even a health perspective is important. Uh, I would caution people about looking at their own mortality compared to their parents. Something that is sometimes comes up a lot where like, Oh, my dad only lived till my mom only lived till yes. Sometimes that's genetic, right? Where you have genetic um, that can pass down for health issues, but sometimes it's not that maybe it's just, it's an, it's independent variable of yourself. So a lot, I do hear a lot of clients always talk about how other, their parents or grandparents passed. And sometimes that's difficult because there isn't um, as much built into that, which is a big deal on when potentially to take. So health is another really is another big one. So my next question, 
when can someone take social security just in general? Technically you can take it as early as 62. So that's the earliest age that someone could elect to take their benefit. And the latest they can take it is at age 70. So at eight, well, technically you don't have to take it at age 70, technically speaking, but there just doesn't make sense to delay past 70. Um, you really should elect it at 70 and just take your money, right? Just make sure you get it because that's the latest that you can get a potential bump up in your, what's called your uh, primary insurance amount or your PIA. Um, so that's, yeah. So the earliest is 62 latest is really 70 is really when you should absolutely take it. That just wouldn't make any sense to delay past 70. So can you elaborate a little bit more on the difference on the benefit amount between ages 62 and 70? Yeah. So if you were to, so I guess to kind of set the stage, everybody has what's called um, uh, full retirement age. So everybody has a full retirement age. It's all based off your birth year. So there's different retirement ages. Um, I think the earliest that they have done what they did when they first established Social Security was 65. And then it's kind of incrementally gone up. Now, the latest, there hasn't been anything above 67. So for example, Caroline and I, our retirement age would be 67. They haven't made adjustments to that, but it's all dependent on your birth year. So once you find your birth year, you can find what is your full retirement age. Um, and it does differ for, for people depending on age. Now from there, that's what creates your hundred percent of your, again, primary insurance matter, your PIA. So that sets your base level. That amount is calculated, which we'll probably talk about um, in a little bit, but that amount from there, if you were to take it earlier than 67, you're, they're going to start decreasing that amount over time, right? So at 62, I believe the math works out to like a 32% reduction of your social security. I would have to double check on that. So don't quote me on it, but I think it's 32%. Um, and that's how it kind of decreases. So if you were to take it at 62 and six months, 62 and seven months, there's a formula that calculates how much your reduction of your hundred percent of your PIA is. If you go above 67 and wait till, for example, 70, it's roughly an 8% per year increase. So you can, you can make 8% more of your PIA per year if you delay till 70. At 70, that, that increase stops. And then there is no more increase. And that's why it makes sense to take it at age 70. So I believe it's a 32% reduction. I'm pretty sure. But again, don't quote me on that. And then it's 8% per year up till age 70, depending on your retirement age. So sometimes people, if they don't need the income, it's kind of deferral because depending on how much you make too, social security benefits can be taxed just depending on the income you're generating. Um, so if someone is in a wealthier position and is generating more income, they may delay it because they just don't want to have the increase in taxation, nor do they want it. And let's say they're in good health, it could make sense to delay. And if they think their longevity is again, till hundred, then it would make sense to delay till 70. On the exact opposite, yes, you have a reduction in payment, but A, maybe allows you to retire. Maybe it allows you to not have to withdraw off your portfolio, given what you want to do in retirement. Or you have a health element that it just makes sense to take it because you're worried about the possibility of dying at an earlier age than average. So then that's where you could also think about it as well. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of the reduction in the increase in the benefits. So you can take it anywhere in between that. You could take it at 63 in two months wherever you want to start applying for social security. Great. That's really important to, to know and understand. I've 
I've seen while working here, a few social security statements come through that break down, you know, this is going to be your payment if you take it 62, 67, 70. So it's been really interesting to see that breakdown and how much more money you can get by waiting a little bit longer. But again, you have to consider all of those factors, like you mentioned, for sure. So one other question I have is say I'm 65 and I want to take a job that maybe has a lower salary than what I've been making before. And I want to take social security to supplement my income. Can I do that? Can I take it while I'm still working? Yes, you can still work if you take social security. However, there are some nuances to it. So for example, with Caroline, let's say she's 67, right? Her full retirement is 67, but she decides to take social security at 65 to supplement some of her reduction of income from work. She can do that. But if she makes over a certain amount, Social Security will start deducting away from her Social Security payment. So if you start making too much, essentially your Social Security check gets taken away. Now, it's not taken away in the sense that it's not going to come back because technically they will pay it back once you hit full retirement age. It just will reduce your income amount. So when we talk to people about it, it's like we have to just recognize how much you're making and then what that impact is. Because if it, let's say that Caroline, you know, she says she's reducing her work, but she's still making $100,000, then she may not even receive that social security payment. Even though when they reduce it, they're going to give it back to her once she gets to full retirement age. Then it's like, well, we might as well just wait till full retirement age. It just doesn't make sense. So they disincentivize you from doing that. Now, the benefit is they just made some adjustments to the, to the, to the rules. And that once you hit full retirement age, you can make as much money as you'd like and they won't reduce your benefit, but you have to be at full retirement age. And once that happens, then it, and then, then it does not matter. So that is the one big benefit. So yes, you can take social security while working, but it usually makes sense to do it when you're at full retirement age. And if you want to do it prior to that, you just have to be careful and, and pay attention to how much you can make, um, which I believe is roughly around 17,200 or $17,500. So it's not that much money. So you can really easily go above it pretty quickly, depending on what work you're doing. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I haven't heard about that new language in the social security that says that. Yeah. That's very interesting. So when it comes to applying for social security, say I'm, I think I'm ready. I want to take it soon. When should I apply for it? If I apply for it now, will I get it tomorrow? Is it going to take some time? What does that process look like? Good question. So social security actually gets paid out based off of when you were born, I think within the month. So there's like, I think there's two payments per month and it depends on what, like when your birth date falls on that month of when you actually get your check per month, or or maybe it's like three, maybe there's three of them. I can't remember the exact dates, but there's three different times that you can get paid or two different times during the month. And it's all based off your birthday. So for me, I'm March 6th. I'm usually earlier. So it means I'll probably get my monthly paycheck on the earlier side of the month than being on the later side of the month. So there's that. If you are going to go and apply, they typically recommend applying about three months prior to your first check is usually when they kind of suggest it. Sometimes depending on what social security administrator you get on the phone, or if you, you know, if you apply, they'll say maybe like two months or a month prior, but I would like to, I like to always tell clients to do it about three months prior, just to make sure that it goes through. There's no issues. It gets in and then you can make sure you get your first paycheck um, when you when you really want it. So typically three months is what we recommend um, on that. And then, again, depending on when your birthday is, is when you will actually get your check. 
um, as well. It, applying is, is pretty straightforward. You can actually do it online. You can apply online. We've done that with clients. We've also called in to social security or gone into the local office to help clients just with their um, application or telling them, hey, I'm ready to take social security. It's pretty straightforward. They got it pretty well handled um, as well. And then you start getting your monthly paycheck from there on out. Uh, you can also, if you want to do withholdings in case your social security might be taxed, depending again on your income streams um, and different things. And then also what people sometimes do know or do not know is that Medicare will be taken out of social security. Um, your premium, your part A, part B premium um, is taken out typically from social security. So that might be a reduction in your payment as well. Um, but even if you aren't at like Medicare age, so for example, at taking at 62, um, they're not going to reduce it by any amount until you hit uh, Medicare age, which is 65. So pretty straightforward, usually about three months. And yeah, online, honestly, is probably the best route to go. It's pretty straightforward if you are computer savvy. Um, it's, it's not too, not too, not too difficult. So then when it comes to the benefit that you get, how is that calculated? How I've heard of the credit system. How does that really work? So the way that they calculate your benefit is they're going to come up with, again, your, your benefits called your PIA, which is your um, primary insurance amount, is they first go ahead and they find your average indexed monthly earnings or AIME, A-I-M-E. And the way that they calculate that is they take up to 35 years of your earnings that you have paid in. So again, when you're paying into social security, coming through your W-2 every year, how much have you paid in? There's a certain formula where you pay in a maximum amount and then they you know, go from there. So once they figure out what your average indexed um, monthly earnings is, then what they do is they take the sum of the following. So 90% of the first 1,000, $24 of your average index monthly earnings. They add that to 32% of your average index monthly earnings over 1,024 and through 6,172. So 32% between 1,024 to 6,172. And then they add that number to 15% of your average indexed monthly earnings amount over 6,172. So they take those three numbers. So 90% of 1,024, 32% between 1,024 and 6,172, and then 15% of 6,172. Add all that together. That's what your primary insurance amount is. And that's what you would receive at full retirement if you were to take it. It will decline if you take it early and it can increase if you take it later. So that's how they come up with the, the formula to be able to um, support that. And then again, a lot of that's being supported for your monthly earnings is based off what you're paying into Social Security through your paycheck on a monthly basis or an annual basis um, for each individual in the United States. Very interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so Amy, are those all your questions for me today? I think that's all I have. I could probably come up with more if I tried. I know I could, but. That's pretty good. We can start there. We can start there. Um, well, before we always like to do round Robin, right? So Caroline, I want to hear what your thoughts are. What do you, what do you have for thoughts on the podcast today? I just really appreciate this time to sit down and, and chat about this. I've had this question in the back of my mind. I wanted to hear 
your thoughts on social security as the program as a whole for quite a while now. And so I'm really grateful that we had this chance to sit down and talk about it and I could hear your thoughts. Cool. Cool. That'll definitely be helpful for me going forward for sure. Good. Yeah. It's, it's social security is a very interesting topic. And I think a lot of people going into retirement are worried about it not being funded. Like we talked about at the very beginning, a lot of people stress about when is the optimal time to take social security. They've simplified it quite a bit. I mean, we didn't really talk about it in the podcast, but there are, there were different ways to actually claim benefits and there were loopholes and they've closed a lot of those loopholes down. So you can't really take advantage of them any longer. Um, so, which is, which is kind of a bummer, but also probably to help with the funding issue as well, because they were probably paying out more than they should just based off of some of the holes. So overall though, it, it really doesn't need to be that complicated in a sense. It really is looking at a, what are you trying to achieve? Why are we trying to achieve it? And then how do we best optimize it given your potential goals and, and, uh, situation circumstances? Um, you know, I always like to, to tell people that, you know, we've had experiences where we try to optimize and, you know, for specifically for social security. And then unfortunately, you know, people have passed maybe three months after they received their first social security payment and had no idea that they were sick, had no idea what was going on. So it, it's just, it's so dependent on the scenario, the circumstance. And sometimes when you try to optimize that outcome is not what you're expecting and sometimes when you are not optimizing, then you can have a same the reverse effect of the outcome. So when we're looking at social security specifically, we do not look at it in isolation. We look at it holistically from multiple viewpoints, multiple lenses to then try to optimize because sometimes optimizing is not always about the dollar. Sometimes it's about your quality of life. Sometimes it's about getting, you know, being able to retire early. Um, and that's, we don't want to we want to make sure we give that justice because there is return on the dollar, but there's also return on your happiness. And that could be just as powerful or more powerful than the return on your dollar. So that's how we always view it. Um, with that being said, Caroline, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate all the questions. And thank you for all our listeners and viewers for listening to Caroline and I talk about social security. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry to determine which investments, broker, dealer, or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC 
unless a client service agreement is in place.